0: Find one aspect of it and become an expert in it. Spend a lot of time just becoming an expert in that aspect. And then you're going to have to find partners if you don't have the experience. And do like what I did, find partners that lack that component and just throw your strong to them.
1: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with $1 million to $100 million assets under management. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. My name is Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Brock Mogensen. Brock, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Theo?
2: I'm doing great as well. Thanks for asking. And thank you for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Brock. He is a principal at Smart Asset Capital. He has 20,000 square feet of retail space and 18,000 square feet of office space. He's been investing in real estate for two years. is located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And you can say hi to him at smartassetcapital.com. Brock, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today?
0: Absolutely. So yeah, about two years into real estate. So somewhat new compared to the more seasoned people. But essentially, in a nutshell, I got into real estate after seeing my dad having owned two duplexes. So on a smaller scale, he owned that. I just saw what it can do for your income. So new rate right away, as soon as I got out of college, let's save some money up, buy a duplex and get going. So I did that about two years ago. I saved up some money, bought a duplex, house hacked it, And after I did that, it really just opened up my eyes like, wow, there is massive potential in this space. And from there, I kind of spent some time, which route do I want to take? I want to do the wholesale thing, just kind of accumulate a portfolio of single family duplexes. I want to flip houses. And I ultimately ended up on syndication. So from there, I kind of just spent six, seven months just really learning it, paying for courses, going to the events, reading books, podcasts, all of it, and just kind of spent some time really learning it. Specifically, I kind of focused on the underwriting side. I come from kind of analytical backgrounds. That's where I thought I could provide the most value. So I spent some time learning that from there. Once it came time where I felt confident, I kind of realized I don't have the background. I don't have the net worth. I don't have any of it to be able to go out and buy these larger deals. So I did some networking and ended up finding two partners that do have the experience and everything needed to kind of get into it through the component of underwriting, the analytical side of real estate. I went in where they lacked their knowledge in and we created Smart Asset Capital. So i say after that duplex was about six, seven months after that, where we ended up getting this 89 unit deal under contract, closed that. So that's about a year ago now. Then from there, just kind of saw based on my bio, you kind of heard that I have some retail and office in our portfolio. We kind of just came across those opportunities and they made sense. Multifamily still remains to be our core, but we kind of uh, took advantage of those situations. So now we kind of have different asset classes and uh, are willing to pivot where we see right opportunities.
2: So you went from the duplex, did that your first deal, and then decided to scale up. And the next deal, about six, seven months later, was a 89 unit deal. And you did it with two partners. Let's kind of go step by step. Let's focus on the partners first. So how did you find them, and then how did that conversation go? Either they convince you to come on board, you can just convince them to come on board and partner up.
0: So finding the partners it was actually through bigger pockets. So I just always on there, kind of messaging people, networking. I'd met up with one of my partners a few times for coffee, and we just always beginning stage. We're talking about we want to go big, and we were talking about it. And through those six months, we kind of both had the same vision, and we were like, "Well, we have the same idea. Let's partner." So us two partnered. Then we came across that 89 unit deal and kind of realized it might be biting off a little bit more than we can handle. He had another buddy that's already had a, a big portfolio, has a full property management in house, the whole thing. So he was like, "Well, let's bring him on." We did, and that's what kind of created the three partners in Smart Asset Capital that tackled that 89 unit deal. I think that my first partner already had kind of convinced, but the one that brought the experience to allow us to do that deal is I definitely had to do some convincing because obviously I have a duplex, I don't I don't have a lot of cash in the bank to be able to get on the GP right away. My convincing came through the aspect of my corporate background and what I've kind of studied so far. I consider myself strong in the side of reporting, underwriting, anything that has to do with analytics. So I'm really the back end. You could say most stuff that takes place behind a computer is what I like doing. So I handle all investor reporting, all that stuff. And they kind of saw the value in that where they didn't necessarily want to do that side of it or that wasn't their strong suit, and they kind of saw the valley and bringing me on. So that's kind of where I found myself getting on the GP.
2: Okay, perfect. So there's three people on the GP. sounds like you focused on the upfront underwriting and then the ongoing, I guess, in part asset management and investment kind of. Okay. Yeah. What did the other two partners do? And then could you tell us the GP breakdown? What percentage did you get? What percentage did the other two get?
0: So I'd say they both are definitely more heavy on sales. They both come from the sales background. So obviously that kind of goes hand in hand with having bigger investor database. So that's definitely where they're strong. But I think different than a lot of other syndicators are doing, we kind of all intertwine our roles. We all kind of put a hand in on asset management. Although I handle most of the reporting and KPIs on a weekly basis, we all kind of lend a hand there. So I wouldn't say we have specific defined roles and they don't cross paths but yeah, as far as their strong suits, they're more on the sales side, able to bring in investors better than me. But yeah, I think that's really what I've found. I tell people is partner with people that lack your strong suit and vice versa, because I think those are the best partnerships where you can each complement
2: where uh, others lack. And then how did you decide who got what percentage of the GP?
0: We split a third, a third, and a third. So it was just real basic. We didn't really go each other on that. We just went 33.3% on each.
2: Perfect. Do you want to tell us what your normal day-to-day is like as an asset manager? I think not many people focus on talking about that. So maybe getting in the nitty-ditty tails. You, know, you wake up on Monday and then you go to bed on Friday, what do you do in between? Work Yeah.
0: Great question. I agree. Not many people talk about the asset management. That's one of the most important things I've come to learn. I think really on a weekly basis, we have a weekly call with our property manager on Monday nights. And every Monday morning, I put together a extensive KPI report. Where we pull all of our information off Appfolio and know that pretty much everything you can think of that you want to track on a weekly basis. So we recently hired a full-time virtual assistant. Previously, I was handling creating that report every Monday. It only takes an hour or so to put it together. If that, so I've kind of trained our virtual assistant to hand that off to him. So he runs that report every Monday morning. That hits our inbox. We're able to see all the KPIs, and then on a weekly basis, what I will do is I will keep a running Word document each week. And as I'm always in that Folio every other day, pretty much looking at the numbers and going through there, and I'll just keep notes throughout the weekly basis of, oh, you know, this and this, I want to ask the property manager about this, and I'll create an agenda. So throughout the week, I'll just tally up some notes. Sunday, I put it together in a nice format, drop it in a Google box. Our VA attaches that in the weekly Monday morning email. So right then and there, on our Monday night call, we, we go off of that email. We have our KPI report we're reviewing plus that agenda, and that'll go through every topic that we need to talk about, and I'll kind of, from there, take notes on there, and then just kind of ever evolve and keeping that agenda going.
2: Are you doing this full-time or do another job?
0: I do have a full-time W-2 in marketing. So, yeah, balancing both, it's possible. I think it requires a lot of work to my benefit. I'm a single man, no family, so I kind of have more free time than most people, but I think that's kind of a lot of people's limiting belief is I don't have time, of a full-time job. When I got started, I'm working a full-time corporate job the time, I was finishing up my MBA, so I was taking three classes at once for that. And I closed that 89-unit deal all at the same time. So it's possible. I think people that kind of say, I don't have time to do it, are just making excuses. If you really want to do it and you're set on it, you'll make time to get it done. Do
2: you have a plan At what point you'd be able to quit that job? Or are you just planning to continue to work and just doing this part-time?
0: I go back and forth on it. I do have a cash flow goal. I think I kind of laid that out and what I want to hit to be able to support my expenses and my lifestyle. So I think once I hit that goal, then I'll kind of make the decision. But for now, I do all right in my corporate job. I'm able to have both streams of income coming in. It would definitely help to have that second stream. So I don't have a definite plan as of right now. I think one day it is the goal, absolutely. But I think right now, I'm just kind of taking it step by step and seeing how it goes. I mean, if I can balance doing both right now, why not have two sources of income?
2: Perfect. So do you mind telling us more about that eight nine unit deal? So you and your first partner found the deal. So you tell us how you found it and then what you bought it for and what the business plan was.
0: We found that one on LoopNet actually. So we saw it on there. I actually saw it first come through off market from a broker. So it was from a broker and we kind of had our eye on it. Price wasn't right for us. And I kind of kept my eye on it. Four or five months later, I see it pop up on LoopNet. We stay in touch with the broker or emailing him kind of saying, Oh, what's going on with this deal. Happens to be that it fell out of contract and we kind of saw that opportunity. We were like, well, let's put an offer in at the price that makes sense for us. We did. The seller was over it and wanted to just get rid of it. So we ended up picking it up for a discounted price just purely from following up with that broker, knowing that it was under contract, but you never know what could happen. So we did that. We ended up picking it up for $3.55 million. So yeah, 89 units in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, C class. So in the value add we saw on that was, it wasn't a huge value add. Essentially what we saw was expenses were ran super high. So having the in-house property management has allowed us to not bring it down by a huge amount, but by a certain percentage point that over, over the long term, we saw it as a value add play.
2: And then what about the capital for that deal? So about a $4 million purchase price. How much money did you raise? And then where'd that money come from?
0: Our total raise on that was 830 grand. And we did agency debt on that. That was purely raised through private equity, mostly through my partner's connections. We each raised a portion of it. And then we also bought 10% on the LP side, just because it kind of aligns our interests when you're talking to investors. I'm personally putting an X amount of dollars into this deal. So, you know, I have vested interest, not just our free equity, you could say. Um, so that's essentially how we did it.
2: How much of that did you raise?
0: Not much. Under 100 k It was around there. So and
2: not, not, not. I'll ask you, who'd you raise that from?
0: Just existing relationships, people I've met throughout the past few years at meetups and stuff, a few family friends. So not necessarily a large amount of the raise, but my partner kind of brought most of his connections for that.
2: Okay, so you got the eight ninety deal, and then you've got twenty thousand of retail space, eighteen thousand of office space. Is that one building, multiple buildings?
0: Two different buildings. So those were both bought in the past couple of months, and those were kind of just bought through my partner's relationships. He has a full-fledged brokerage as well. So he was able to kind of source those deals off market direct to owner.
2: How is the asset management different on the apartment versus the retail and the office space?
0: The KPIs are going to switch up a little bit. None of us are experts in either of those spaces. We're learning a lot on structures. So we have triple net leases. So that's a great part of it that we're able to bake in, but we're also learning more about how that works operationally. The asset management, I'd say, is the same structure. We're doing the same structure, weekly reports, weekly calls, but I think it's still kind of ongoing learning more about both of those spaces. We just kind of saw an opportunity to pivot when cap rates are so low in the multifamily space. And there's obviously great deals out there. We actually have another one under contract right now, but I think we just kind of pivoted and saw a good opportunity there against the risk. So we we pulled the trigger on both of those.
2: All right, Brock, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I'd go back to just if you have your mind on wanting to get into syndication, I know there's people think you can't do it. You have to have experience. You have to have this. I think my story kind of just goes to show that if you want to do it, you can make it happen. I, I always tell people the best way to do it and just kind of going off of how I did it is find one aspect of syndication, right? There's many different aspects. Find one aspect of it and become an expert in it. Spend a lot of time just becoming an expert in that aspect. And then you're gonna have to find partners if you don't have the experience. And do like what I did, find partners that lack that component and just throw your strong suits to them.
2: All right, ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, that's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast Before the Millions studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes, listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's
0: beforethemillions.com.
2: Okay, Brock, what is the best ever book you've recently read?
0: I think best one I've recently read, I'm reading Trump style negotiations right now. That one's pretty good. It's all about his attorney and different real estate deals he's done and how he's negotiated them.
2: If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next?
0: So what I do and what we kind of go in, especially going in, the timing right now, going in, we keep strong reserves. So I always make sure to have enough reserves on hand to cover any uncertainty. So that's a big component is making sure you have the reserves in the
2: bank to cover stuff. What is the best ever way you'd like to give back?
0: Right now, it's through education. I'm always available to kind of get on call to people that are looking to get into syndication. So anytime people want to ask questions about it or looking to get into it, I'm always willing to make time for that. In the future, I do have bigger goals of giving back monetarily, but until I get to that point, that's the way i am giving back.
2: Okay. I'm going to make this one up on the fly and it's going to be about asset management. So what's the one component of asset management that you think is the most neglected?
0: Incorporating data. When it comes to asset management, the most important thing to me is data. So you have to be able to first have the tools to access that data. That's usually through a property management software. So if you're, when you're hiring your property manager, make sure they have a system in place to where you want to see real-time data and then being able to take that data and incorporate it into models that display in real-time your KPIs. So that's why I've kind of, I've developed a, a KPI template on my website, actually, that people can access if they wanted to. But yeah, just being able to track on a real-time basis, I think is is the most important part.
2: Perfect. And that, is that smartassetcapital.com?
0: Correct. Yeah. At that website, you'll see it right on the education tab. I have a few different ebook downloads and that asset management templates there for people to download.
2: Perfect. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you?
0: Through the website that'll prompt me to get an alert. Otherwise, my email is brock, that's B-R-O-C-K at smartassetcapital.com. I'm happy to talk to anyone.
2: Best ever listeners, definitely take advantage of that whenever someone provides their personal email address. Well, Brock, thank you for joining us today. You are a testament to the fact that you not only don't need A lot of experience to get into syndication, but you can also do it while having a full-time job. So I think those are kind of the two biggest takeaways that I think the best of listeners will get from this conversation. Just to summarize our conversation. So we talked about how you got into real estate because your dad actually owned two duplexes and you saw what it could do for your income. So you got your first deal through a house hack. So a great way to get into real estate is through house hacking a duplex, which is owner occupying it. You ended up Moving on to syndication about six, seven months later after a bunch of education. And this goes into your best of advice because you focus specifically on underwriting. So find something about syndication that you can become an expert on, focus on that. And then you found two partners that had a lot of experience, but were lacking underwriting. So find your area of expertise and find partners who lack that area of expertise. And you talked about how you've met your two partners. Uh, you met the first one on Bigger Pockets, and you met him for coffee. Classic bigger pockets is freezing up people, meeting them for coffee, and finding a business partner or some sort of opportunity out of that. So, I love to hear that. Both came across the A9 unit deal and decided to bring on a third partner who had the experience with doing deals in the past, who had sales experience. They could also bring on the investors. And then you talked about how the GP is split a third each way. You talked about what your week is like as an asset manager. So, weekly call the private management company every Monday night. You do your Monday morning KPI reports, which is created by a full-time VA. And then during the week you have a running Word document that you use to keep notes with questions to create an agenda for that call. And then we went into specifics about your 89 unit deal, how it goes to the importance of continuing to follow up with brokers on deals that aren't necessarily able to secure upfront. And then we talked about how the asset management is a little bit different for retail and office. We use the same structure, but the KPIs are different. So, Brock, thanks again for joining us today. Best ever listeners. Thank you, as always, for listening. Have a best ever day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Theo.